0: From Sacramento, the Bishop's Radio Hour with Bob Dunning, focusing on today's issues in the context of gospel values. Now, here's Bob Dunning on Relevant Radio.
1: That's me. Welcome to you on this beautiful day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, Uh, this wonderful day in the new year. And we're pleased to welcome in Rabbi Seth Kesselman, who is heading up the Great Exodus Project here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Rabbi Seth, good, good as always to hear your voice. Hi,
2: Bob. Always good to hear yours.
1: Good to, good to have you with us uh, in the new year. I hope the new year is already treating you well. Thank you, and you, yes. Yeah. Tell us, uh, for those, and we, we always say we, we hope we're picking up new listeners every day, uh, tell us a little bit about the, the founding of the Exodus Project and exactly what it is, what the goals are, uh, et cetera.
2: Sure. So Exodus Project came out of the vision of Bishop Soto to not only serve the 25 or 30,000 people that are incarcerated on any given day in the diocese, but also to help people on that auspicious day when they're released. And it's often a lot harder to maintain sobriety, harder to find shelter, harder to maintain a good and steady life. So four years ago, after a couple years of planning, we started the Exodus Project, uh, which is a re-entry program under St. Vincent de Paul, which is where Bishop Soto decided to place it, and it's been working very well in that regard. We have four transitional houses for women and men coming out of prison and jail. We do emergency hotel space. We do mentoring. We have about 40 volunteer mentors, simple Ordinary folk like your listeners, like you and me, um, who are uh, wanting to work one-on-one with somebody returning from incarceration. We help with food, clothing, transportation, counseling, recovery, all that kind of stuff. Um, and we sort of walk with people as they're re-entering their communities, our community, and uh, helping them as they make that transition back.
1: And as as it evolved, is it, is it, in your mind the same project now that it was when in its infancy
2: not exactly that's a good question we started off ostensibly as just a mentoring program to do sort of spiritual accompaniment and we quickly saw that we needed to do more that people also needed shelter they also needed food they needed a job we do a lot of job placement they need clothing. We give a lot of vouchers to the Saint Vincent de thrift store. So we sort of started off as mentoring, and then created a expansive social service program to to accompany it.
1: And it was placed under Saint Vincent de Paul because they do a lot of those sorts of things.
2: Absolutely, we fit very well under the mission of Saint Vincent de Paul to help the poor, to walk with people, to visit the incarcerated. Um, so it's been a project for four years on St. Vincent de Paul
1: of the Sacramento Diocese. So is, is, was there a, a blueprint for this anywhere? Not exactly.
2: We've sort of been creating it as we go along. As I said, we, there was a sort of a committee with myself and others that spent a couple of years planning it and bringing in some other experts, some um, talking to other programs and such, but we've really sort of been creating our own program. Um, there are other St. Vincent de and other dioceses, of course, across the state and across the country that have reentry programs, but ours is ours, is ours. and uh, we have one of the most expansive mentoring programs, per se, um, that I've found around the country for adults coming out of incarceration.
1: Was this something you, the type of work you were involved in prior?
2: I had done quite a bit of prison ministry work, mm-hmm. um, doing meditation and uh, uh, life development, life transition work for people uh, in, in prisons and jails, for juveniles and juvenile hall. Um, I had done some reentry work a bit but mostly had done work with people that were incarcerated. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so the diocese brought me in as someone with some experience and interest in, in this type of work, and it just sort of has worked out well um,
1: to, to facilitate it. So how much cooperation or, uh, you know, co-partnering did you have to do with with the authorities, if you will, uh, with the, with government, with the, right. the partner corrections the county jails etc
2: exactly we have a good working relationship with the sheriff's department and uh and with probation and we work a lot with people coming out of county jail who come out often on probation um less so with cdcr with the state mm-hmm. uh prison system just because we haven't really gone there as much we do work with people coming out of prison but we haven't sort of created relationships there in quite the same way um and I like to say that while we have a good working relationship with the authorities, our primary mission and focus is to align ourselves with our clients, um, but that those aren't necessarily in conflict with each other.
1: So, so at some point the, 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 the sheriff's department has to agree to this program uh, being in there under their supervision in some way?
2: To go in and do visits I go in and visit people inside and bring the mentors inside that took their authorization mm-hmm. there was a while one of the houses we were running was actually funded through the sheriff's department oh, well wow. um, so yeah we've had a we've had a good working relationship for the
1: most part in, 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 I was gonna say in most in most instances and probably not all um, nothing's perfect uh, Correct. I would think they would be enthusiastic partners
2: yeah yeah I, I think that's
1: I, I think that's true. I think that's true. So what, in the beginning especially, what were the the biggest hurdles you had to jump?
2: That's a good question. Um, Finding good mentors um, is always a challenge and is always an ongoing uh, project. Getting people who come out who are really motivated to do the inner work, to do the spiritual work, to do the life development work, to help people stay on track, to work with in recovery and addiction and, um, and mental illness. Those are some of the big challenges we face for sure.
1: How are the mentors um, selected and exactly what is their role?
2: So we have an application process. We do two mentor trainings every year. We have one coming up actually next month. Um, it's an 18 hour training over a couple of weeks. Um, and I meet with everybody beforehand and sort of weed out people's motivations and make sure it's a good fit and then invite people to come to the training. We're looking for a few more people for the training. If some of your listeners are interested, they can reach out to us. Um, And then I match them up one-on-one, men with men and women with women, to be a one-on-one mentor for an individual who is possibly still incarcerated and they'll visit them in the jail and then work with them after they get out, possibly somebody who's already out. Um, And the idea is it varies from relationship to relationship, but the idea is that they work together for about six months as mentor and mentee. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they fall away sooner. Others have been going for two, three years, and they can't seem to, to let go of each other.
1: So is is six months sort of the the gold standard in, in terms? Of that's how long it's going to be for the before the person is out in society.
2: It's for six months once they're in society. So it could be for a few months while they're incarcerated, and then mm-hmm. for six months while they're in our transitional house, or while they're living on their own, wherever they're living. And then the hope is is that sort of they can wean themselves of the mentoring of the mentor, and the mentor can go on and mentor somebody new.
1: And what what sort of challenges do the do the do the mentors face?
2: Well, um, it often they come from a very different background and experience than the people they're mentoring. Mm-hmm. So bridging that difference. While some of our mentors have been incarcerated and some are in recovery themselves, the majority of our mentors are not in either of those categories. Um, so bridging the. the the, the differences and sort of showing up in a way that people can feel like this person gets me. Um, I can feel mm-hmm. safe. I can trust this person. Um, and then we do a lot of the training around boundaries and what's appropriate and what's safe and what's not appropriate or what's you know not in keeping with our guidelines. Um, so we do a good job of training our mentors to sort of uh, uh stick to good boundaries and then there are monthly mentor meetings and I check in with mentors through the month um, to, to support them as they, as they need.
1: I would think that boundaries would be a, be one of the challenges just because uh, these people clearly are people who care.
2: Yes, yes. And and what's, what's, what's helpful and what's not helpful. Right. Um, because taking them home is not necessarily a good move or giving the money is not necessarily a right. good move but right. there are other ways that we can be supportive of them.
1: Absolutely. So tell tell us a little bit about uh, maybe i uh, st- I'm sure there's not stereotype but a steric a stereotypical experience for a mentor with a mentee.
2: Well, um They'll meet over coffee. They'll go out to Starbucks. They'll talk about employment. They'll talk about relationships. They'll talk about kids. They'll, they'll each share some. Um, they might uh, they might go together to the DMV to get a new driver's license because the old the old one expired. And I often say it's easier to sort of open up when you're sitting in a car side by side and not just uh, waiting mm-hmm. waiting at the DMV rather than sort of staring at somebody directly and saying so. What's What's going on? Tell me everything. That can be a bit intimidating. So often doing an activity can be a a better way of of navigating it. Um, And as I said, we match men with men and women with women. Um, And it's to be a a sounding board, another sponsor, if they're in recovery, to be a a coach, a cheerleader um, along the way. Something I think we all could use, but the people yeah. coming out.
1: And from the from the mentees' standpoint, how do they get involved? I'm sorry, the, the, those who are incarcerated or about to get out, how do they become involved in the program?
2: Oh, sure. So they there are applications that are in the jail that they can fill out. People from prison sending letters. Um, the word is spreading far and wide over the last four years, so I get calls every day and emails and uh, uh, letters, and, and people also just walk in off the street who have been incarcerated asking for help.
1: Mm-hmm. And can you accept as many as want to be in the program?
2: For the most part, for the most part. We we sometimes run out of beds in our houses or that sort of thing. But in terms of mentoring, pretty much everybody that. Seems like would be a good fit for for a mentor. Or um, most of the resources we're, we're not maxed out. We're always looking for additional donations, just to put it apart for that to support the, the funding of this because it doesn't it doesn't happen uh, cheaply. Um, but we're we're able to we're able to meet the need
1: for the most part. So the, from the, the maybe you can walk us through if if somebody was not a part of this program and they're about to get out of prison, what, what are their resources at the time? I mean, do, they, do they have cash in their pocket? Do they have a place to stay? Is it? Uh...
2: So if they're coming out of jail, they get really nothing. Mm-hmm. If they're coming, and they could have done as much as three or four years in jail sometimes. If they're coming out of prison, they usually get a couple hundred dollars in gate money. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they get six months or a month in a, in a transitional house or a recovery house or something like that. Sometimes they don't. It just kind of depends. Mm-hmm. Um, so sometimes they're coming out and they've got nowhere to sleep and nowhere to go, and two hundred dollars in their pocket will, you know, get you two or three nights in a in a cheap motel. Right. Um,
0: and then you're
1: you're sort of stuck. So is there are they taken anywhere when they're released from prison? Or they just open the gate and there you are.
2: They're usually delivered back to the county where they were first incarcerated, and mm-hmm. that's the place where and their probation or their parole usually limits them to stay in that county, which can be where their resources and support system happen to be, but it also is often where their old drugging and thugging and drinking and abusive spouse and you know all their all the all their bad history mm-hmm. um, happens to be. So it's often not a good to come back to the to the county of 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 their incarceration.
1: And is it, is it I am just thinking from a from a job standpoint if 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 you reach if and and uh, it depends on the type of crime etc but you you return to your hometown and you've got the scarlet letter on your forehead. Yes. Um yes. and you can't find a job because everybody oh you're that bad bad guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And all the more so for for housing, that when yeah, the housing market yeah. is so tight and everybody does a background check, um, that it's
1: very hard to find housing. Oh, I would think so. I mean, I uh, with just looking at the housing market uh, around our area, it's 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 uh, it's unbelievable how how. how Strict it is, and how uh, much cash you need up front to get in, and uh, yeah. how much background exactly. checks they're doing, and exactly on and yeah. on and on. And uh, basically, dealing with maybe college students or people with no records, people with uh, you know, uh, right futures, presumably, and, and they have trouble finding housing. Yeah, yeah,
2: it's a, it's a real challenge.
1: So you, you mentioned uh, donations, certainly, and we'll get get to that, but do you need people who might, might be willing to employ?
2: Absolutely. We're always looking. We have a wonderful employment specialist who's always looking for employers out there who would be willing to give somebody a second chance. Um, it could be retail. It could be warehouse. It could be any number of different um, types of employment. And we get all sorts. We get people that come from, who were nurses, who had master's degrees? We—it's not just people with a high school diploma or a GED. We get—we get the whole range of people
1: mm-hmm.
2: who are in this predicament.
1: So, how far and wide is the Exodus Project within the diocese of Sacramento?
2: So, we're primarily in the greater Sacramento area. Mm-hmm. Um, throughout the county, and then we do some in Yolo and some in El Dorado and Placer, mm-hmm. but primarily Sacramento County at this point.
1: Okay. And those people will be coming out of Sacramento County Jail.
2: And the, the the majority of the people we work with are coming out of Sacramento County Jail, but they could also be coming from any number of other prisons coming back to Sacramento.
1: And and the range of the range of crimes they've committed is. All over the map, or is it fairly limited?
2: It's all over the map. Although to match somebody up with a mentor, it's generally people who haven't committed a violent crime in the recent past, mm-hmm. um, just for
1: for safety and sure. comfort. Yep. And what is your? Uh, I, don't, I don't know quite how to put this. Uh, your, your success rate is in, in my mind. Your success rate's a hundred percent because huh. because something's being someone's being helped. Even if maybe that person goes off on their own, but right? How can you quantify when you feel like you're getting somewhere, that you're not spinning your wheels, that uh, we're making progress here? We're cutting down the rate, not only cutting down the rate on recidivism, which is good for everybody, um, Mm -hmm. but you're mostly concerned with this person.
2: I think you're right in what you said at first, that it has an impact on everybody, hopefully positive, um, uh, that just having the contact and the the support that we offer has a positive impact. It's hard to know the recidivism rate. It's very hard to get those numbers. Um, I would say with the people that we mentor, about a third of them quickly fall away, Mm -hmm. about a third of them... Have a, have a pretty good relationship with their mentor, and about a third of them have a really strong hmm. connection for, for months or longer. Um, so it's sort of, that, that's kind of how I see the numbers there with the mentoring.
1: And the, the third that have fallen away, they might not necessarily have reoffended, though.
2: Correct. Some of them, you know, we, I had one who the mentor followed up with him a couple times, and he said, look, I'm doing really well, and I hate to tell you, but you remind me of prison.
1: No. You, know, I yeah, yeah. you with, sure. I'm back
2: with my family, I'm doing well, I don't really want anything that has to do with where I was before, and the mentor had to say, okay, I, I hear you, man,
1: yep. Yep. you know,
2: yep. I understand, so it could be that they're doing well, it could be that they're not doing well, yeah. um, but it certainly doesn't mean that they've, they've reoffended, offended
1: no. So how can, how, well, first of all, how, how can people help just financially?
2: So uh, we take donations, we take cash, we take checks, we take uh, credit cards, we take vehicles, um, people can go on the diocese website and do a search for Exodus project. We have a page on the diocese website. You can go on the St. Vincent Paul website, um, and find Exodus project. Um, uh, and you can make a credit card donation or you can mail a check. Um, yeah.
1: Very good. And let's talk, if, if you've got the time, uh, about the, the mentors and the mentor training.
2: Absolutely. So we have our Next Mentor training in early February. Um, After the training, we ask for about an eight-hour-a-month commitment um, is all the commitment is. Uh, And we definitely are looking for a few more people through this coming training, uh, women and men. So people that are interested can reach out. Um, The phone number is 916-669-0612. That's 916-669 zero six one two or you can find the uh the application on our website which is svdp as in St. Things of de paul dash sacramento dot org and go to programs and go to exodus project and you can find our application
1: there uh, rabbi i know this is a obviously a, a project of the diocese of sacramento mm-hmm. but also uh, i'm i'm certain that uh you're not uh, you're not out uh, trying to convert the world. Uh, you're trying to help people. Uh, if the conversion happens, though, it can be a good, very good thing. Um, how does that play into it uh, in terms of what sure. sort of like what's allowed, what isn't allowed right. between right. a mentor and a mentee?
2: So I tell the mentors we don't proselytize, mm-hmm. and we take mentors of any faith, of no faith, you of little faith. Uh, we take uh, participants in the same. Uh, range, but if there's interest on the participants' uh, side, then it's great. Um, we have mentors and mentees that do Bible study together. We mm-hmm. have mentors and mentees that go to worship together uh, at either at the at either one of their houses of worship or at both. Um, sometimes the the mentee says, "I I don't know where to go. Will you take me to yours?" And then it's sort of up to the mentor to say yes or to say, well, that's my family time. Let's go at another time when it's just the two of us. And we can find a place that's 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 right for us. What's your, you know, what was your background? What was your upbringing? Do you want to find another church that was connected to that or do you want something new? So it's certainly uh, faith and religion is definitely part of what we do, but it's definitely not something that we press.
1: Right, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because... Uh, it you know uh, faith in god has uh c- can be s- can be so sustaining for people can, mm-hmm. can uh, mm-hmm. as you well know uh you know it, it can it can uh, put people on this, the the straight path uh, uh mm-hmm. even though we all we all fall short for sure um but it is, it is, it's, I know that many times my wife and I have discussions about this problem or that problem, and we say, thank God we have God. Mm. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Amen. So give, give the, uh, tell us a little bit more about the, uh, what, uh, how people can sign up for the training and and kind of what they'll expect over this 18 hours over, over a few weeks. Sure. It's so a Thursday evening and a
2: Saturday, and then a Thursday evening and a Saturday. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's there are different modules that are on addiction and recovery, on um, boundaries, on how to go into the jail, on um, trauma. Uh, we have returning citizens that do a lot of the training themselves that I'll offer firsthand testimony and and do role plays. Um uh, the time goes by very quickly, um, it's, a, it's a rich and full mm-hmm. uh, four sessions um, with a number of great different trainers that are, that are part of it, and if people are interested, again, you can call 916 or you can go on svdp-sacramento.org and look for Exodus Project, or you can go on the diocese website and look for Exodus
1: mm-hmm. Project very good very good well it's a it's a wonderful project it's uh, um i'm i'm i'm, s- I'm thrilled that you're heading it and uh, um a b- better you than me for sure and, uh, um but I, I i hear about it all the time and and I, I think it's it's it is bearing and will continue to bear great fruit and i i hope it expands and and, and helps a whole bunch more people and so thanks so so much for taking the time with us, and uh, God's blessings to you and your family and everybody you deal with uh, in the new year. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Many blessings to you and yours. Thanks so much. That's uh, Rabbi uh, Seth Kesselman, who is the head of the Exodus Project here in the Diocese of Sacramento uh, through the uh, St. Vincent de Paul Society. We'll take a quick break. Back with more on the Bishop's Hour right after this. This portion of the Bishop's Hour is brought to you by a grant from the St. Vincent de Paul Society. Drop by and shop at the thrift store, a beautiful, beautiful thrift store at 2275 Watt Avenue. Open Mondays through Saturdays from 10 to 8 and Sundays from 11 to 6. Well, Bishop Soto refers to Christ the King Retreat Center as the jewel of the diocese, and indeed it is. What a beautiful oasis it is. It's located in Citrus Heights, uh, right in the hustle and bustle of the city, and you feel like you're getting away from it all when you uh, turn off the main road and just uh, uh, come into Christ the King Passionist Retreat Center. Christ the King has served Northern California and the Diocese of Sacramento for over 60 years through parish weekend retreats, individual spiritual direction, and a variety of other programs. For information on all the programs that they offer, including residential programs, give them a call. They're at 916-725-4720, or you can visit them at 6520 Van Maren Lane in Citrus Heights. And we certainly thank Uh, the saint vincent de paul society and christ the king Passionist retreat center for their fine and long-standing support of the bishop's hour we'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations uh, businesses in town is to uh, give us a shout, send us an email, radio at scd.org, and we can give you all the details about uh, helping to underwrite the Bishop's Radio Hour. Again, that's radio at scd.org.
0: Hi, this is Brian Visitation, Director of Media and Communications for the
1: Diocese of Sacramento. You're listening to the Bishop's Hour with Bob Dunning. Thank you, Brian, for that wonderful introduction. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the great work you do here in the Diocese of Sacramento. Well, the Walk for Life West Coast, the annual, the millionth annual, is coming up, and uh, here to tell us all about it is one of the original organizers, Eva Montaigne. Eva, good day to you. Good night to you. (laughs) Good night to you. Good
3: evening, I guess. Yes. Uh, Not really night yet, but um, yes, good evening.
1: (laughs) How are you doing?
3: I'm doing well, just very busy, as, as you can imagine, trying to get ready for the big event.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. It, it, tell us, what annual is this?
3: It's the 19th annual. Wow. I can't even believe it. It seemed like we just started it a couple years ago, and here we are 19 years later.
1: It's almost an about. adult now. It can. It's old enough to vote.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Good one, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and the uh, boy would
1: it vote. Your <laughs> boy would it vote. Yeah. <laughs> so, tell us: uh, uh, is it is it the new and improved? Uh, everything's new and improved these days. Uh, uh, any changes? Any any difference? Uh, every every time I've been, it's uh, it's been really uh, I, the, the word that always comes to mind for me is celebration, a celebration of life.
3: Yes, of course. We try to make it very family friendly, you know, so that everyone feels comfortable in attending and, um, and but I can't think of anything. You try to keep it the same format every year because people are very used to it. They're comfortable with it. They know exactly where to go and what to do. So in terms of the format and the schedule, that's pretty much the same as it has been, except for, of course, the two years during COVID, um, which were very interesting. And, um, because we never stopped having the walk, but mm-hmm. we have had the walk every single year, even through COVID. So, um, and those are those are very important walks to have. So, uh, but yeah, no, the schedule is the same. We're going to meet at civics Actually, the mass we start with the mass at the, at the cathedral, mm-hmm. and it's very exciting because this year the Archbishop has commissioned a children's choir children's choir mass. So it's it's brand new songs, brand new uh, composition. And because he wanted to hear the children's voices. Um, oh, good. It, yeah, it's, it's, it's very exciting. It's it's on our website. Um, Would they anyways, be from
1: within the archdiocese?
3: Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, no, the, the composer is not from the archdiocese. Mm-hmm. I think it's from out east. Um, and, and, but but it's brand new and commissioned strictly for the walk, So this is going to be very exciting. Mm -hmm, Um, So that starts at, you know, that's a regular um, 9.30 Mass on Saturday, the 21st, by the way. And then after that, we go over to Civic Center Plaza where the main event happens. Um, We have the Silent No More campaign. We'll start around 10.45, 11 o'clock, which is on a side stage There will be many people, many women will be giving their testimony about their uh, abortion experience. And then we also have the info fair during Mm -hmm. that whole time where there will be organizations passing out information about how to get involved in in what they do, etc. And then ours starts at 1230, and we have four great speakers lined up. Uh, We have the Archbishop who will lead us in prayer. Uh, we're going to be giving the Gianna Mola Award to Reverend Childress. He mm-hmm. can't believe it's been 19 years, and we haven't given it to him yet. <laughs> has,
1: has he been at every one?
3: Every one but one.
1: I remember interviewing him and, and telling him that uh, he doesn't need to come all the way out from New Jersey. We could hear him just <laughs> from New Jersey by himself.
3: <laughs> oh, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. I can't wait to hear him now. This will be his first time, obviously, since Roe v. Wade was overturned. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to hear his take on that and how he'll get people riled up. But, but yeah, no, we have uh, some great speakers. Uh, Sean Carney will also be presenting an award through Forty Days for Life. Um, they have this yearly now at the Walk where they present awards. So. So, yeah, and then we start walking at one thirty. We walk right through the middle of San Francisco and on Market Street down to the Embarcadero Plaza. We end at the Ferry Building, which mm-hmm. is such a beautiful location. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of families, and people come just to experience San Francisco, and then they spend some time walking around after the walk.
1: Very good. And uh, most of the time, the weather, even though it's January, the weather's pretty darn nice.
3: Yes. Yes. We've been, we've been miraculously good with the weather, and that's why I'm so glad all these storms are happening now, <laughs> so that they can, it rains itself out so that on the 21st, hopefully, it will be nice weather yet again. Um, I think one year we had rain, and then there was that one year, I think maybe like four years ago, when it was just... Pouring rain. Yes, yes. And then it stopped right for the walk, stayed sunny and clear the entire walk and then it started pouring rain again. <laughs> that was so miraculous. I mean everybody <laughs> noticed it. So um so hopefully if it rains that'll happen again. <laughs> well we do we know
1: God has a, a sense of timing and humor.
3: That's right. That's yeah. exactly right. So mm-hmm. and and we certainly have people praying for the walk and we have You know, we have the police already all ready to go to help us again, just like every year. I have to say that we owe a huge debt of gratitude to the SFPD for all the help that they give us and how they protect us and keep us safe, because for the entire 18 years so far that we've done this, we've never had an incident
1: No. Yeah. And Mm-mm. we just
3: we just thank
1: them so much. And yeah, they're they're there, but they're it's a subtle presence. And and I mean, obviously, any any big event, you 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 need security, but but it 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 just doesn't have that flavor. I, I would never want anybody to think they should stay home because there might be a problem. Because right. there just there just isn't. It just doesn't have that that sense to it. Mm-hmm,
3: that's right, and we have our own. Um, Knights of Columbus from all over the Northern California and they're going to be there as peacekeepers. So yeah, so it should be fine. Um, God willing, it'll be another beautiful day and and safe and powerful and, and it will get people excited to, to stand up for life.
1: So what are your biggest challenges in, in putting this together?
3: Well, of course, going through the city permitting process every year, it seems Mm -hmm. like it gets harder and harder to to do that. Um, Other than that, it's basically just a lot of uh, menial tasks, you know, with all the different because we have to get like five different kinds of permits. We have to do the bus parking. We have to do street clo uh, street closures no parking uh, areas and, you know, so there's so many smaller things that people don't think about, like the porta-potties and the mm-hmm. trash bins and the uh, medical. We have to have, for the city, we have to have ambulances on site. You know, all of that takes time and energy and money to, to put it all together and we're a completely volunteer organization. We have we don't pay anyone. All our volunteers that put on the Walk for Life are, are do-it-for because of the love of life, so... We're very grateful for everybody who helps us.
1: So the, the police presence, is that a cost, or is that something the city bears a cost for?
3: No, the, the, city, the police, we do not have a cost. Mm-hmm. It's only for the facilities, and we do have to pay for the park rangers. Uh, mm-hmm. Through park and rec, we have to pay for them for their time. So, but for, the, uh, for police, no, we don't have to pay for that since we're a First Amendment uh, event.
1: And there's still lots of parking under uh, Civic Center Plaza?
3: Yes, there is. Now, it's a little bit harder to get in. There comes a certain time, I, I forget, like an hour before the walk starts where they pretty much block the streets around the right, Civic right. Center Plaza. So unless you get there before that, uh, you won't be able to get into the parking garage. Right. But, um, but there's parking around, and, you know, weekends it's, it's pretty good. And um, it, it, so we haven't had any issues, or at least we haven't heard any complaints of people who said that they couldn't find parking. No. So
1: uh,
3: I wouldn't let that stop you. But there's also BART, and there's all kinds of um, mass transit ways to get to us. So those are also an option. Well, the, on
1: one way. of the best ways that, that many do, people do, of course, is uh, through their parish or through right. a, uh, their so, some sort of social group where they all get together and uh, – uh, exactly. Rent a bus and and you get dropped off right at the site. Uh, uh, the times I've gone with my family, we've we've parked at Civic Center Plaza and we're just stunned at how easy you just walk up the stairs and there you are. Yes, exactly, yeah, it was, it, exactly. It's I, very easy. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was that it was that easy. But you're right. You, you, you at some point they're going for good reason. They're going to block the street off, so you right. you need to get there early enough. But there's there's plenty to do by getting there early. The info fair is always. Uh, interesting and sometimes even entertaining and uh, uh you know
3: <laughs> and and the EWTN is always there and they'll be there again this yeah. year and so that you you can always go watch them doing their interviews and their warm ups and and that's always entertaining to listen to them and and then there's of course like I mentioned the silent no more they start at like 10:45 mm-hmm. and so yeah so and then there's of course just you know, being with people and meeting new people, and and being with all those thousands of pro-lifers, that it's it's always fun and uplifting. So yeah, it's going to be
1: great. I always like the part where uh, some of the youth groups they'll they'll come from their parish and they'll they'll bring a banner or something and they'll march together and uh, with great great pride and vigor.
3: And, and that's what we look forward to. We love the groups that come. Especially like Thomas Aquinas College and from Uh Morgan and Benedictine, and uh, we have Arizona group coming. So yeah, we we love the groups, and we always encourage people to bring their banners. And uh,
1: yeah, for sure. Are are there? uh, I I I don't use the word imitators uh, in a bad way, but uh, are there other? There are a lot of walks for life uh, springing up. I think uh, because of your example.
3: I really believe that, too, because when we started, there wasn't any in California. Right. And now, you know, um, San Diego has one. Uh, L.A. has one. Um, I heard another.
1: There's another one, too, but I forget where. I, I think thought maybe in? Seattle. I wasn't sure if it was Seattle. No, Seattle for sure, but I was yeah. thinking California. Oh, oh in California, uh,
3: and yeah. even the And even Seattle one um, is, be, you know, was uh, because of ours that they started it, so... So yes, we're very proud of the fact that we've started these movements around the West Coast here, so
1: Well, it's great it's great stuff and uh what what uh, crowd estimates do, do can you ever put an accurate number on that? <laughs>
3: no, never can. Um uh I, I would wish we could just like count everybody, but I, there's no—I don't have that kind of manpower. But um, I know that you know we we are far from pre-COVID numbers, which is understandable. Uh, people are still afraid, and there's sure. still you know outbreaks, et cetera. So I'm presuming, or thinking, or estimating that this last year we had around 15,000. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have at least that because we already have more buses coming than we did last year. But I can't, I you know, because we don't have registrations. Um, I don't really know to to give an estimate, so I'm afraid I don't know.
1: <laughs> I remember one time one of my daughters was with me. We were broadcasting, and uh, it, it had to be about ten years ago, and so she was probably about eight or ten years old, and and she she before before it all started, you know, I'm. Six feet tall, and I can't see over people who are six two. So I could only see the people near me, you know? uh-huh. and and she managed to stand up on a table to where she was about LeBron James's height, and she could look out over the crowd. Uh-huh. And she said, "Dad, you're not you're not going to believe this because it was just as far as the eye could see."
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's especially from uh, the stage, you know, because we're up on the, that stage then, and it just looks like a massive yep. amount of people from up there. Um, so it, it, it's really heartwarming to see all these people come together and stand for life. And, and this, this year will be a part celebration, part uh, you, know, part trying to dig in and say, you know, even though v Wade was overturned, we still have a lot of work to do here in
1: California. So do you have any record of uh, where buses come from? Can you, can you, or or like how far are they coming from?
3: Well, mainly West Coast, Mm -hmm. um, mainly from the, a lot of them are from the Bay Area. We have, we have Nevada. We have buses coming from Reno. Mm -hmm. Um, We have, like I mentioned, Arizona. Um, We have uh, several buses coming from Southern California Mm -hmm. So, I mean, basically the West Coast. Uh, this year, I haven't noticed any buses coming from um, Midwest or or further. Mm-hmm. So, um, I remember one year there was, where it was there was a bus from Colorado, which wow. was amazing. Uh, but we, I haven't seen that this year yet. So, oh. it might. I mean, bus registrations are still coming in, so you never know. <laughs>
1: And so what do you do on January 22nd, for ignoring the date, obviously, but the day after? What do you do the day after?
3: <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> no, actually, there's a lot of wrap-up to do the following day. Cause yeah. Got to return everything that was rented. Sure. And, you know, it, so there's still a lot to do. I, I don't think that I wind down from the actual event until like two, three weeks afterward. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because you know you got to get ready for next year because you got to s- submit permits a year out, so you got to do that. So it's 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 yeah, there's a lot to do afterwards. So, but it'll be a lot less stressful afterwards. Yes, yes right. <laughs> right now the stress is on because it's, the time is short. So sure. but But um, afterward it'll be a lot less stress.
1: Very good. Well, Eva, it's always always a joy to talk with you. Thanks so much for all you do and. Uh, uh, I
3: hope everybody comes.
1: Absolutely, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure they will. So go
3: to our website. Can I t- say the website real quick? Yes, very good. So everybody, please try to come, and you can check out all the information, schedule, location, etc., at walkforlifewc.com. Very
1: good. Thanks. Thanks so much. Thank Eva. you so much. God bless, and we'll, God bless you. we we'll mm-hmm. Bye. Thanks so much. That's uh, Eva Montaine, uh, who's the. Uh, uh, one of the original organ- organizers of the uh, Walk for Life, <coughs> West Coast. Well, so much, uh, so much happening here, uh, obviously in in relation to that, and in in relation to a uh, a lot of other events as well. The uh, Novena, the Pro Life Novena, and Eucharistic Adoration taking place January 11th through 19. Um, they take some time to pray for the unborn, their mothers and fathers. Pray for the state and federal laws that harm those most vulnerable. From January 11 to 19, join the nine-day novena, the pro-life Eucharistic adoration, day one. And this is going to go from parish to parish, and uh, uh, you're not required to go from parish to parish, of course, but uh, some people would like to do it, and, uh, uh, but to, to join in each day. Day one, Wednesday, January 11, will be at St. Catherine of Siena Church, which is uh, on uh, 3450 Tennessee Street in Vallejo. a.m. Daily Morning Mass, 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, and then the Evening Mass is at 6 p.m. Day 2, Thursday, January 12th, will be at St. Dominic Church in Benicia. That's 475 East I Street in Benicia. Uh, 8.15 a.m. Daily Morning Mass, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, and then Benediction at 9 p.m. Then day three, uh, Friday at St. Teresa of Avila, uh, a Catholic parish in Auburn, uh, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration and 8 p.m. Benediction. Day four, Saturday, January 14, uh, you're invited to pray the plea novena with family at home or in your local parish. Day five, Sunday, January fifteenth at St. Philomenes Catholic Church, 2428 Bell Street in Sacramento with a noon as the Spanish Sunday Holy Mass, one thirty p.m. to eight p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, eight p.m. Benediction, and you can you can get all this information on the uh, diocesan website SCD that's Sacramento Catholic Diocese SCD dot org, uh, and you can just learn all sorts of things by going to that website. You should do it every day. Day six, Monday, January sixteen. St. John Vianney uh, Catholic Church, 10497 Coloma Road in Rancho Cordova, 8 p.m. Daily Morning Mass, 8.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, 6 p.m. Benediction. Day 7, Tuesday, January 17, will be at Sacred Heart Catholic Church all the way up in the great city of Red Bluff, uh, 515 Main Street in Red Bluff, 8 a.m. to 545 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration. And 5.45 p.m. Benediction. I always love Sacred Heart and Red Bluffs right there on the Main Street, which is named Main Street. Looks almost like a mini cathedral with the steps going up to the church. Day 8, Wednesday, January 18. St. Joseph Catholic Church, 280 Oak Tree Lane in Lincoln. We have a lot of St. Joseph churches here in the Diocese of Sacramento. So uh, this one is the is the St. Joseph's Catholic Church in Lincoln, 280 Oak Tree Lane in Lincoln. 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, 6 p.m. Benediction. Again, 280 Oak Tree Lane. And finally, day 9, January 19th. St. Catherine Drexel Catholic Church up in Jackson, 11361 Prospect Drive in Jackson, 7.30 a.m. to 7.30 p.m. Eucharistic Adoration, uh, noon the Daily Holy Mass and benediction that evening at 7.30 p.m. So if you can make any of those, if you can make all of those, that uh, that would be great as well. You know, I get a wonderful uh, uh, Christmas uh, uh flyer, if you will, almost a Christmas card uh, from the uh, the vocations department here in the Diocese of Sacramento. A child is born. Let us rejoice, the seminarians of the Diocese of Sacramento and the Office of Vocations. Send their most gracious blessings for the upcoming, and this was prior to Christmas, 2022 Christmas season. And then they list all the seminarians, and we're just going to read their names and uh, uh Say a, you can say a prayer for all of them: Victor Amador, uh, Ben Condon, uh, Ivan Franco Martin, Matthew Grimm, Victor Gornov, Edgar Lozano Cuevas, Alejandro Marquez, Eric Patrick, Zachary Sturm, Ralph Trunkey, Scott Whitaker. Um, those are our seminarians here for the uh, Diocese of Sacramento. And speaking of that, uh, Bishop uh, Soto uh, every month puts out uh, ordination anniversaries. So many of them, of course, are in June. But uh, for January, ordination uh, anniversaries, uh, Reverend Cletus Pericat uh, was January 1st of 2000. Reverend uh, Josie Matthew, uh, January 2nd of 2005. Reverend Reggie Joseph, January 2nd of 2005. Reverend Santosh Kurian, January 2nd of 2005. There were three on that day. Reverend Rodney Hall, January 12th of 1991. Reverend Glenn Jerome, uh, January 19th of 1981. Reverend Humberto Gomez, January 25th of 1988. And Reverend Juan Perez, January 31st of 19. 98, uh, 1998. Also, I would say a prayer for all of them and uh, for all their intentions. And we should note that uh, uh, Father Michael Kiernan will be celebrating his 50th anniversary of ordination on January the 3rd, uh, uh, not January, excuse me, in January 3rd, June the 3rd uh, in, the, uh, uh, in Ireland where he was ordained. But then uh, he will also be uh, having an event at uh, a a Holy Mass up at uh, Sacred Heart in Anderson on June the 14th and Our Lady of the Assumption here in Sacramento on June the 22nd. Uh, Both of them will be at at 6 p.m. But we we just circle those dates uh, if you know someone who happens to know Father Kiernan and all the great (coughs) work he has done here in the Diocese of Sacramento. He's also the uh, chaplain up at Beale Air Force Base here in Sacramento. Uh, The best practices for First Reconciliation and First Communion will take place Friday, January 13, 10 a.m. to noon. You're invited to join for a workshop to explain the best practices to celebrate the First Reconciliation and First Holy Communion with Deacon Kevin Stasco. Uh, It will all take place here in the Pastoral Center in the Minogue Room. This is at 2110 Broadway. It's a workshop, and it is... Free to attend, uh, no 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 charge at all. Um, <clears throat> also, how to celebrate? This will be up in the North State. Uh, similar program will take place on Saturday, January fourteenth. Uh, how to celebrate? Well, is for catechists and parents preparing children to reserve to receive first reconciliation and first Eucharist in the North State. Again, uh, the workshop will be provided in English and Spanish. Uh, Deacon Kevin Stasco in English and Teresa Vera in Spanish will discuss the norms of these sacraments, share the pros and cons of the standard catech- cate- catech- catechetical model used in our diocese, as well it me- as it means to participate in the Mass actively and consciously. That will all take place, again, Saturday, January 14, 10 a.m. to noon at Our Lady of Mercy Parish, 2600 Shasta View Drive, in the great city of Reading. Into the mix, Wednesday, January 18, uh, 7 p.m. to 8.30 p.m., Fight for Freedom, Seven Ways Everyone Can Stand Up Against Human Trafficking. Uh, That will take place uh, at Good Shepherd Catholic Church, 9539 Racket Court here in Elk Grove, Uh, Is human trafficking happening in Sacramento? Indeed it is. Does it target certain people or everyone? How does it affect me? January is National Human Trafficking Prevention Month. Young adults in their 20s and 30s are invited to the next Into the Mix for this important conversation. Molly Sheehan from the California Catholic Conference will provide us with an engaging conversation on how it affects our community and what we can do to fight it. Then the... uh, Annual uh, Respect Life Mass will, Holy Mass will take place Friday, January twentieth. The noon mass begins at twelve oh five p.m. at the Cathedral of the Blessed Sacrament, ten nineteen eleventh Street. The Walk for Life Youth Buses, Saturday, January twenty-one, eight AM to five P.M. sponsored by the Diocese Diocese Office of Family and Faith Formation to attend the Walk for Life on Saturday, January 1, uh, 21 in San Francisco, 8 a.m. Mass, Holy Mass at St. Lawrence Parish, 4325 Don Julio Boulevard in North Highlands. The buses will depart 8.45 a.m., arrival at the uh, Civic Plaza in San Francisco at 11 a.m., the rally at 12.30, 1.30 p.m., the Walk for Life following the the rally, Walk for Life West Coast, and then everybody's picked up at 3 p.m. and uh, get back to the Sacramento area around 5 p.m. Uh, anyone 18 years and younger is free. Uh, young adults and adults are, are, are welcome to attend as well and ride the bus. Uh, the charge for that would be $25, but 18 and under are free. Also, just uh, circling the date, if you will, World Marriage Day, Saturday, February eleventh Gabe, okay, we were talking about this a couple months ago, but it's uh, now right around the corner. You're invited to join as we honor marriage and salute the beauty of faithfulness, sacrifice, and joy in married life. During this live-streamed Holy Mass, there will be a special blessing for sacramentally married couples, an opportunity for them to renew their marital commitment. After Mass, there will be an opportunity to receive a blessing and a picture with Bishop Soto. Special certificates will be distributed at the reception honoring couples celebrating milestone anniversaries. Uh, They'd like it if you would let them know. Uh, so that uh, they can get the certificates ready. It will all take place at Good Shepherd Parish, 9539 Racket Court in Elk Grove. Again, Saturday, February 11, 9.30 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. Also, the Diocesan Gathering, the L.A. Religious Congress takes place. uh, That will take place uh, Friday, February 24, 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. Bishop Jaime Soto and the Office of Family and Faith Formation Invite people of the Diocese of Sacramento attending the L.A. Religious Education Congress to join us for fellowship and dinner, which will take place at La Casa Garcia, 531 West Chapman Avenue in Anaheim. The cost is just $10. Should be a great, great evening uh, with the bishop and the, faith, the office of, the staff from the Office of Family and Faith Formation. Finally, Catholic Scouting. Uh, 2023 award ceremony, Saturday, March 4, from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. You come and uh, watch the congratulations on earning your Catholic Religious Emblem Award. The Catholic Committee on Scouting, Bishop Soto, and the chaplain, Father Christopher Frazier, would like uh, to recognize your achievement at the annual awards recognition ceremony. Please arrive 15 minutes early, wear your Class A uniform and award pin, and bring your troop pack flag with a stand. Parents will have an opportunity for pictures as well. Again, that will take place at 1019 11th Street in Sacramento. And the the, the cost for that is free as well. That's going to do it for us for today. Thanks for listening, everyone. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. We'd like to thank all the wonderful people and organizations, uh, businesses in town.
0: To the cross I cling Of its suffering I do drink Of its work I do sing I own it my Savior Both bruised and crushed Showing that God is love God is just